0: to 44222, or you can go to my website at askdennisbrown.com forward slash guide. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Dan Morris. He's an investor, an advisor, a B2B growth expert with a mission to leverage his experience to impact a thousand businesses positively by 2025. He's also the managing partner of MindRacer Consulting. So welcome to the show, Dan.
1: Dennis, thanks very much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here with you.
0: Yeah, I'm glad we finally put this all together. A while back, we tried to do it, and I think you got sick, didn't you?
1: I did. It wasn't anything too serious, thankfully, after everything we've all been through, but not one for the voice being on a podcast. So uh, great to be able to get back on the calendar.
0: Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for rescheduling and and making sure that we did this. Just to tease everybody a little bit, we're going to talk about something very cool today. I'm telling you, It's a little bit shocking and maybe even hard to believe, but but Dan and his team, we're gonna talk kind of about a case study today that happened right through COVID. So how he was able to take one of his clients, a SaaS company, and help them 5X their sales during a pandemic. Okay. And he has a proprietary kind of like a format, like a like he calls it the four R's. And he's gonna walk through this process with you of what he guided that company through. So it's really cool. And I mean, I don't know of man, I don't know. I've talked to a lot of people during the pandemic and I don't know anybody who 5X their sales. So he must be doing something right. So that's what we're going to uncover. But before we dive into that, give us a quick backstory, Dan, talk to us a little bit. I mean, you have this mission of helping a thousand businesses positively impact their business by 2025. Talk to us a little bit about that and kind of how you got into this and then we'll get started.
1: Sure. Yeah. Thanks very much. The 1,000 the businesses is a big, hairy, audacious goal. And, and I got that from working with a business that was using the scaling up methodology, and they, they wanted to set this massive goal and then work backwards from it. And I was really inspired by that a couple of years ago. And I thought, right, what is the best way that MindRacer can actually impact the business community? And it's by reaching a really high number of people positively So being able to take part in conversations like this and and offering snippets out there that people can just use is a very big part, very well aligned with our mission. So really happy to be able to share. I guess what got us here... I mean, I was a very high-performing individual salesperson. I'm the youngest of four brothers. They're all very high-achieving people. I wasn't a particularly education-focused person. I came out of the the school system thinking, right, I've got a lot to prove and a lot of expensive hobbies. So I kind of needed to get to be good at what I was doing, which was selling. But then that worked out really well and, and I earned the trust of entrepreneurs who ended up promoting me a lot, ended up giving me companies and startups to, to help them to run and to build and uh, had some great successes with that. Helped a service business exit, built their sales enough to be able to exit for $100 million, built another service business up to get to 61 on the ink list as VP of sales for those guys, then spun another company out of that, ended up running it. So you know, working with entrepreneurs, investors gaining their trust, helping them deliver high sales numbers was my, real, was my early career, really. And I was, I was living in Boston, and that, would, that had worked well for my career. I'm obviously from the UK originally, made my way across to the US as part of a, a deal with some investors. And then I left, and I decided to take a bit of a break, go and refocus, travel for a while. And I made my way to New York City, where I am today, and started working with very early stage businesses, super early, seed, no clients, aspirations high, and help them, help them win 1,400 clients, help them win their next level of revenue. Really enjoyed it, really realized that I can get in and add a lot of value quickly based upon everything that I'd learned in general commercial management as well as sales skill set. So that began to evolve and via a couple of, of projects and, and W 2s along the way. A couple of years ago, we really focused on MindRacer and Ever since then, we've been providing sales consulting services to companies that are struggling a bit with hitting their sales numbers or from the fractional vice president of sales perspective, actually supporting them until they get to the point where they can afford to bring in full time sales leadership or, or until their existing ownership get to the point where they feel ready to really run the sales team at the size that it is. And that's great fun. So that, that's what we do. That's sort of what brought us to, to, to the conversation today, I guess. And, And the the mission is what holds it all together. You know, we want to get to that thousand companies by the end of twenty twenty five. We've got a lot to go. We're well into the hundreds, but we're we're starting to do more and more all the time and we're growing. So yeah, it's exciting to be out there helping people.
0: Great. Here's what I want to ask you the first question. You know, you're in the trenches, you're talking to a lot of these smaller companies. You know, maybe they're doing a couple hundred thousand in revenue, maybe they're doing a couple million in revenue. And, you know, you've been doing this what year did you start MindRacer?
1: Well, I started MindRacer in 2014.
0: Okay. and Yeah. So 2014. So you had a few years, you know, you had six years or so, five, six years before the pandemic, right? Yeah. So you saw what, you know, you learned a lot during that timeframe. What was the biggest change? I mean, obviously, you know, what were some of your, what were some of the things that you noticed, some of the changes or just some of the differences between the conversations you were having pre, pre pre-pandemic and then mid pandemic versus now like i want to try to get like a sense it's almost like kind of like a <laughs> i don't know how to frame it but but just kind of like where the status of where we are today through the eyes of your prospects and your customers
1: yeah so it went from confident investing growing to extremely uncertain and now there is still uncertainty we're all in a place where we don't know whether this is going to be the best, most productive summer we've ever had or the worst, least productive summer we've ever had, because everyone's got a theory. Are people going back to work? Are they going to the lake? Are they going to take a career break or are they going to double down? Like nobody really knows what's going on out there. And so that's a consistent. And some people might try and pretend like they know what's going on, like they can forecast it. But you know, the word unprecedented has been a bit overused, I think, in the media over the last year but really it's about staying constant with what's actually happening now and so the conversations that we were having pre-pandemic was let's keep investing let's keep growing let's keep growing as fast as we can we got to an uncertainty where it was certainly a very very busy time for us where lots of the people who'd been we'd been talking to then came to us and said hey now's the time you know we do need help we need to work out what to do during this pandemic and you know we think you're the people to help us out with it. And now we're having ever more conversations with people because they're beginning to look at what life might look like. Now they can begin to rebuild again. And that might be location agnostic, right? Like at home, in office, whatever. They're still going to have to grow or not, right? Or grow or go away, right? So they want to grow. And so that's where we're beginning to see, feel the sentiment improve again, but it's still sort of underlined by a bit of uncertainty. So, you know, you've got this long term horizon to look for, but right now it's about what can we do for summer and what can we learn this week that's going to help us next week. And the much more immediate focus is where we're seeing a lot of clients really trying to get clarity. And that's where we're adding a lot of value, I think, at the moment.
0: Yeah. And I think that's where your four R's, that process that you have, comes in and provides that type of feedback and helps with the strategy. So, what I want to do is, you know, I just want to dive right in. you know, Just to tee it up for everybody, you were able to help take a SaaS company, a small SaaS company, and help them 5X their revenue during the pandemic using these four R's. So why don't you guide us through this? Tell us a little bit about the company, whatever you can, and then talk to us a little bit about that process. You know, I'll inject a few questions here and there, but I'm going to let you lead and you tell us exactly what that looked like.
1: Sure. So imagine you're a SaaS company, you've been around for eight or nine years and you've been into various different types of company as your client. You've had a few different product evolutions over the time. You've grown. You've got yourself a, quite a significant services business supporting your SaaS. Then you've decided that's not aligned with your objectives, and you've paired that away and sold that services business. Then you refocused on SaaS, went for some very large clients and got some revenue, but then that fell off again. You've been on the roller coaster and you're really tired after a few years of, of that up and down. And you know, really you're looking for an, an outside set of eyes to go, okay, look, there must be a simpler way, what is going on? And, and really that was the context of how we got introduced to this particular client. And so yeah, we, we have a lot of great partners out there. One of our partners is a, a fractional marketing leadership business. They were providing marketing services to this client and they brought us in because they recognized that there was a need for more clarity in the sales side of things. And so you know, we start any engagement with, let's just work out what done looks like. Because if you don't know what the end looks like, you're never going to get there, right? So you know, ultimately, what do they need to do? They needed to work out how to hit this quarter's goals without missing them, which they've been doing, right? So that was the first focus. How do we simplify enough to get to that number? And then we know we're going to continue, right? So Our four R's process keeps it really simple. It's review, refine, roll out, and then repeat. At some time, whenever it is right in the future, a fifth R pops up, which is replace, where we replace ourselves either by training your internal team or by helping you put somebody in place to run it. And so with an opportunity like that, to look at a whole sales organization, we review. So you've got to start by listening to the customer, And one of the great ways of doing that is to listen to the sales calls and listen to the customer success calls that are happening. So assuming in a modern sales organization that you're recording your calls, it's really easy for us to get in and spend a short amount of time. And I mean, inside a couple of weeks, we can get a really good insight on what your customers are saying. And at the same time, what your salespeople are saying to them. We've got a grading system for each part of a sales call that actually breaks down whether it's being done well and whether it it contains all the component parts you need to have in order to get a good deal, a good sales, sales call done. And then we can grade that one to five each section. So at the early part, we've got an insight into what the customers are saying, an insight into what the salespeople are saying, and the opportunity to grade that and review it. So that kicks off a process. But then we also look at the customer list, we look at the average order value, we look at recency, we look at whether they're growing, we look at you know, a bunch of different financial metrics as well, to identify you know, who really is the best customer for this product right now. Because a lot of the businesses that we're working with, really, they're looking to make more money, they're looking to save time, and they're looking to reduce risk. And you know, I've heard many of your guests say, keep it simple is the best way forward. I believe we're aligned in that, right? A lot of businesses are just trying to please too many customers at the same time, and they don't have the resources to support it. And so you know, in, in this particular case, we were able to identify that this, this SaaS company also had a really strong set of partners within one specific industry. And so not only was there a really good dialogue that was working well with our end customer, but we had the partners so we could do co-marketing with them. And that could be advanced a lot if we stopped working on a whole lot of the other outreach strategies they were working on, and really doubled down on that. So that was the review, right? Then we began to roll out and actually had everybody aligned with what we were talking about. Here's what we've studied. Here's what. So we've hold on observed. one
0: second. So for, yeah. I apologize for interrupting. Sorry about that. No problem. So the review was the kind of the the sales conversation audit, looking at you know some of the financial metrics. Of the current clients, past clients, and then where's the refine? Because you had a refine, so review, refine, rollout. Talk to me about, yeah, so the, about re- that. Yeah, refine, refine and
1: rollout kind of happen together, right? Okay, so got it. Okay. When we review, we've got all of the grading there. We've got all of the information that lets us see what's what. So that's we'll very data
0: to- driven. That's very data driven. You know, you're putting it into metrics to say, you know, and and obviously there's some subjectivity there when you're having auditing conversations, but but you're that's the review process. Okay, so walk me to the next step.
1: Yeah, what it is, it's a very quick way of getting under the hood, right? Like you could right. spend months doing audits, auditing everything, but it's time to value that really is the review process. How quickly can we get under the hood and really get a pulse for what's going on? Then refine and roll out really happen at the same time. So it is okay. Here are, for example, CRM stages that are not being used by the team. And once we've had conversations with the sales reps about what they're actually doing and how they're using the platform. We can make some recommendations about how to do it so we're refining in that conversation and so the refine in this case was who we're talking to what we're saying to them how we're leveraging partners to get involved and actually how we're recording that in the crm system and then roll that out really quickly and small edits to what was going on little descriptions of the the stages in the crm made it more logical to start using it and so refine and rollout out happened pretty quick and then we were able to start seeing that people are actually recording their information in the CRM, which guess what? That made the information a lot more useful to the marketing team. Because if the info is in the CRM system, then the marketing team starting to be able to use it. So the next go around, when we start reviewing again, we start identifying how we can improve the marketing qualified lead criteria. And so, you know, is it a number of interactions with certain content? Is it attending certain events? Round about this point, COVID was hitting pretty hard. And they went from physical events to webinar events and doing co-marketing webinars with their partners. And how did we need to evolve that message? So again, in the review, we were picking up that... And that this is a software platform The the SaaS is a software platform that does sales presentations. And the sales presentations were being used in-home by people who were selling roofing, guttering, siding, all of that sort of stuff, right? so. They couldn't do the in-home presentations anymore, and we had to help refine the messaging so that the virtual sale was going on. And this is a very smart team, right? They're all very dialed into their customer. They listen very well, but we were just providing the support required to prioritize what needed to be edited in each review, refine, rollout cycle, right? So we helped them to do that, the MQLs got better, marketing, targeting got better. We started converting more people from marketing qualified to sales qualified. And then the, the sales numbers started to go up and up and up. Average order values increased, sales cycle came down, but that was really a function of it being recorded properly in the CRM. And, and so a question
0: we, for you, question. Yeah. So this review, refine, roll out, repeat. So you mentioned a cycle, right? This kind of this process is a cycle. The first time you went through. To get through to that rollout. Approximately how long did it take you from review to rolling it, rolling it out? I mean, yeah, review, approximately.
1: Review and refine in a small organization can get done inside 30 days.
0: Okay. And then the rollout, you consider the rollout, what period of time, right? Is that like of the first 90 days? Is it 30 days? Is it six months before you repeat and then go back into this process? What's that look like? I mean, I, I yeah, don't want to so. get too far down in the weeds, but I want to understand the dynamics of of how the data is aggregated and, and then how you're, you know, what you're doing from that point.
1: Right. So let me qualify this a little bit. We're working with businesses that are doing somewhere between $200,000 a year in revenue and $20 million a year in revenue, right? So right. we're not talking about enormous sales teams where you've got hundreds of stakeholders that need to be onboarded in lots of small groups and that sort of stuff, right? We're talking about regular weekly sales meetings where you can get updates into the agenda, You've got opportunities to do ad hoc training on a weekly basis to be able to drive updates and inputs and help the sales team get on board. And you've got access directly to the executives to be able to get these sorts of things done. Now, would this work in a much larger, larger organization? Absolutely. But we're working with the smaller businesses, getting the value very quickly to them. So the review and refine happens within the first 30 days and the rollout can actually start concurrently depending how th- how many things need to get updated, right? So if the biggest thing is, hey, we're spending a lot of our resources trying to prospect to this industry that only ever re- comes back to us one in a thousand times, guess what? That's something that the data is going to be able to say, let's stop doing that. And let's focus on a much meatier part of our ideal customer profile, right? So that, that's something that you can move into relatively quickly, but often a set of outside eyes will be able to point out a lot quicker than somebody who's been in the trenches with their blinkers on for however long, right? So you're coming in, getting that review done, leveraging the data, being able to start rolling those things out in both the executive meeting and then the sales team meeting can meaningfully happen within 30 to 45 days. And then because you're working with the team, you're working with the salespeople, you're working with the execs, you're working with the marketers, you're capturing their feedback and their issues and and working through those in the refine and roll out. So you're process.
0: continuing to refine even after the rollout based on the feedback you're getting because you're working with the team on a daily, weekly basis. Got it. Got That's
1: right. It. Okay. Yeah. So it works like an agile process, right? Yeah. So we'll, we'll identify some issues that need to be prioritized in this sprint, if you will, and then we'll begin to refine and roll those out. And then when, we're, when they're looking good, we're looking at the next set. But here's the important part. And here's what I want people to take away from today is that the review especially at the moment with your customer in the market is always the biggest and most important thing to change your priorities, right? If your customer has identified that they're going to completely change the way that they're doing business. So for example, when a regulation changed and all of a sudden you're allowed to go back and sell in people's homes versus having to sell virtually, that completely changed the transition for certain groups of customers in certain states for this customer, right? So you had to be aware of that by listening to the people that you're selling to on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis in order to be able to go, okay, are we still using the right messaging for those people? Do we need to be a bit dynamic about it? Right. That, I think, is what Summer 21 is going to be like. So the review, the refine, the rollout, review never stops. We're always gaining information from listening to sales meetings on an ongoing basis. Then we're beginning to build up a list of things that We've noticed that we can point out in sales meetings or in executive meetings and offer refinements on the fly, right? And then roll out whatever changes need to happen. So the initial block, 30 to 45 days to generally get some initial impact rolled out. And then we're cycling. And you know, because we work as an integrated part of the team, like a fractional vice president of sales is, is the role that we typically play we're actually listening to and refining those things just like you would do if you were a full-time sales leader trying to optimize the the tiny details right so it gives us a framework it gives us a way to continually add value and maintain that mindset and then when the opportune moment comes for them to say right we're ready to do this internally we've got all those things set up we can hand them over to the client right so it never goes away if that's what you're going for. like that. No, that makes
0: sense. I just, I was trying to get it. That's what I wanted to clarify. I just wanted people in the audience to really understand that this isn't necessarily just a one-time process, right? When you're struggling and you don't have good traction and you don't have good conversion and you don't necessarily have good product market fit, this is something that you can have to do until you find that sweet spot. And then even from there, you know, it's going to be it's going to be bigger adjustments at first, but then they will be more and more and more and more refined over time as you dial in the process, right?
1: Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Now, you well, I'm, d- I'm have dying impact to hear- As a project, as you can have impact as a project that could be less than 90 days and just go, hey, look, we need somebody to take a look, make some recommendations, trainers on them, and off you go. That's great. And we can support that with a coach. Easy, right? But the bigger lift where they don't have somebody who's really ingrained as a professional sales leader- often people need a bit more support and they actually want to keep rolling with that, right? So that's the two things. You could do sort of a consulting opportunity to, to get value quickly and then support it with a coach, or it could be somebody who's more of a fractional VP that sticks with people. We just want to help people, whatever support they need. And so that framework gives us the background to be able to do both.
0: Yeah, perfect. Hey, you alluded to it early in the conversation when you were talking about the review process. But what was, the, what was one of the biggest changes that you made to allow this company to 5X? I mean, what do you think was that? I mean, there was probably a lot of small changes, but what was the biggest thing that you did that you helped them with that helped them to really grow the sales? Because I think you were mentioning something about their partnership program or some sort of program like that. I think the audience would be curious, what was the mechanism that really drove such huge growth? Because it's very unusual, especially during a pandemic.
1: Yeah, it's, it's positioning, right? Like, who do we sell to? So once we'd identified that there was a really, really solid customer here, one of the things that we did was identified where we sat on that customer's technology adoption timeline. So you know, if you think about any business today, at some point, they're going to invest in a CRM system, they're going to invest in video conferencing, they're going to invest in database, they're going to invest in a dialer, maybe they've got a proposal tool, maybe they've got a sales presentation tool, and so on. And so it was working out... You know, One of the biggest things was working out where they lived on that timeline for their ideal customer, and then working out what technology partners they actually had who were on the before and the after part of that timeline, so that they could begin to spend much more time and effort with those people. And then also what are the consulting and services businesses that support around those technology businesses so that we're providing value through the services people and the technology people at the time when those types of companies are actually in the consideration or attention grabbing phase for what we are actually able to do and where they're actually able to get value from the platform, right? That was one of the biggest points of clarity that enabled us to really zoom in and double down on going and acquiring new partners, enabling the partnerships that were actually already live with more budget and more structured marketing, and then beginning to work out who needs to pair with who internally to get those sorts of things done and really stepping up the amount of marketing that we were doing with those partners as well. Right, So really aligning the sales and marketing strategy around those partners accessing as much of a ideal customer profile audience as possible, but making sure we were focused on that context to make sure we were hitting at the right time, not just at somebody else who serves the industry, but along that timeline of when they buy services and tools like this, that's where we really focused in. So again, it was positioning, it was making sure that we got aligned with the right timing, making sure that we're aligned with the problem that they were solving, And then really trying to understand the performance of the sales team around those things. Are we telling the right story? Are we structuring our sales messages correctly? Are we following up? Are we using the CRM? Are we getting the information for marketers to use? It's a package of that.
0: Love it. Perfect. Well, listen, is there anything else you want to add? I have a couple more rapid fire questions I'd like to ask, and then we'll wrap it up for today. The biggest
1: thing is to establish this and keep it going. You know, people's entrepreneurs get attracted by the next shiny thing. They get attracted by a new tool, a new automation, an AI. There's lots of AI out there that says it'll do all sorts of stuff for you. Some of it's great. Some of it's paperware. But the fundamentals have to remain, right? If you're not consistently reviewing what your sales and marketing teams are doing by listening to the customer, you're missing out, especially today. So there's so many tools that make that easy. And we will consistently do that for all of our clients on a weekly basis. We'll grade it. We'll develop deliver training each week, but based upon it. They, you, as a listener, if you're not doing that in your organization, think about doing that because it'll add a lot of value straight away, whether you work with an outside partner or not. That's the sort of thing that just keeps your sales team sharp and also keeps you contextually aware of what the heck is happening in your industry, which is, is pretty difficult these days and will really give you that edge over people who just aren't paying attention. And that might be your competitors. It might be people who are not as aware that they can do these sorts of things regularly. It gives you the edge that you need.
0: Love it. Hey, listen, a couple of rapid fire questions. What's your favorite growth tool, SaaS products, software, app, something that you use to help grow your business? I mean, I'm, there are probably many, but which one do you, which, <laughs> if you had to pick one, what would it be?
1: There are so many, but as a, a sales focused organization, we partner with HubSpot and we find that the CRM at HubSpot, especially given that it's free, it's accessible to everybody. It's very easy to customize for your sales process. And it begins to feed all of that fascinating and useful marketing data for future projects. It's where we often start. We often migrate people to it. We use it ourselves. It's certainly the best tool that we like to use within the ideal customers that we're working with.
0: Love it. And what would be one book maybe that you've read that's helped you on your journey or you think might help the audience on theirs?
1: Yeah. um, So I was thinking about this. The book that I've read recently is called The One Thing. It's by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. And it is all about optimizing your time and really focusing on the one thing that's going to move that project forward each morning. Deep work, work blocks, that kind of a thing. It's a great read. They also have a great podcast. And uh, I would recommend that people give that a read, whatever type of business they're in. It really just helps you prioritize how to get more done.
0: Love it. Thank you so much, Dan. I really appreciate it. Let everybody know how they can connect with you, You know, learn more about MindRacer, and then we'll wrap it up for today.
1: Yeah, sure. So if you guys go to mindracerconsulting.com, there's a couple of resources to download there. One particularly good one is the top five ways to make hiring good salespeople easier. We've really laid it out. Everybody's thinking about growth, how they can grow. That'll help you. You can download that on there. Also, we put out a lot of content on LinkedIn, so you can see that on my profile, LinkedIn.com. Dan Morris profile. So just search Dan Morris profile, you find that on LinkedIn. They're the two best places to check us out, and we're always here to help if you've got any questions or you're stuck on any sort of sales or growth challenges.
0: Yeah, I love it. I think that five. Uh, I think that five tips on hiring salespeople, just particularly now, because hiring for a lot of companies is a struggle. So I would highly recommend everybody grab that. It's a free resource and, uh, you know, connect with Dan on LinkedIn or wherever you want. I'll put the links in the show notes and totally appreciate you being here. Great job. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon.
1: Absolutely. Thanks again for having me on Dennis. And I hope this is useful for everybody. Have a great day.
0: Listeners. I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now, and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.